SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Warning. The following program contains shocking content that may give you a better or worse than pessimistic hope on anything you like. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. You're still getting pretty good value on Brooklyn. In a lot of ways, they're doing us a big favor because with all these guys injured, we haven't seen the real, if you will, Brooklyn Nets. When these guys all do come back, and I'm guessing they will, those numbers are going to drop dramatically. It's Opposite Picks with Scott Wetzel. Welcome to Opposite Picks right here on Sports Grid Radio and Sirius XM Channel 204 and your local radio affiliate all around the nation on this Monday, April 12th. Here's truly Scott Wetzel sitting in for the next two glorious hours, taking your phone calls at 844-843-6879. Again, that's toll free, 844-843-6879. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to the website, oppositepicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away. Emails, tweets, phone calls, little YouTube chat as well. Uh, right here again on an Opposite Picks Monday. Matsuyama is the winner. Mr. Vegas is the loser. Uh, you should be a winner if you listen to Mr. Vegas. So you just can't beat the boys in Vegas. Uh, this is the problem with golf. Jim Nance was lost. Eddie George was found. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise. Is this the real Celtic team? And what about the Nuggets? Uh, three times the charm for JD and uh, all Boston all the time. We'll get to all those stories again, plus your phone calls, emails, and tweets right here on a, again, Monday, April 12th. What's up, LLs, loyal listeners? Uh, what, a, what a Masters really, it actually wasn't very good. You know, outside of it being the Masters, uh, it really did lack drama down the stretch. You know, there were a couple of points where it got the, within two shots, but uh, Matsuyama, to his credit, would then exert his will. The others would fail to exert their wills. We'll break it all down here. Uh, and he is, uh, you know, the first uh, Japanese golfer to win the Masters. So congrats to him. Uh, Jim Nance was was lost. You know, he's trying to come up with his signature call, right, because he knows it's going to be on all the highlights forever. And at the end of the match, he, he was just lost. He, he had nothing. You know, he, he's got he's had phony over the last couple of years between the NFL stuff and now the golf. I think he realizes, you know, I, you know, how many more years does he have left? His contract is up. He expects a gazillion dollars. Maybe they'll move on. So I, I got a sense as I was watching uh, Hideki put out the final putt. Thank you very much. We'll get to it in a sec. Uh, you know, he knows that this is going to be replayed a thousand times, million times, right? So he's trying to come up with something, and he had nothing. He he just had uh, Matsuyama wins. Great, great call, Jim. Way, way to go. <laughs> uh, but that said, he did win. Didn't think he would. I thought he would fall apart, you know, uh, sometime today or yesterday, rather. Whether it was a front nine, back nine, somewhere in between. Uh, there were opportunities for uh, Xander Schauffele to, to come up big, uh, and he didn't. You know, the biggest... Uh, story really almost is Will Zalatoris, the, the rookie who kind of came out of nowhere. No one ever heard of this guy, right? Not if you're a normal golf fan anyway. I suppose you did if you were a golf, golf uh, aficionado. But for, for the most part, he he was nothing on the uh, tote board at the start of the tournament. And, uh, you know, he's the one that actually came the closest when everything was said and done. You know, he finished up one shot back, which is kind of hard, you know, because – 
he really wasn't in contention. Scott Wetzel said again as we take you right up until uh, you know eight uh, or seven p.m. Eastern time as we always do Monday through Friday right here uh, Sirius XM two hundred four your local affiliate. So you know he ended up w- uh, losing only by one shot, but you know outside of the first we'll say six seven holes, um, really the difference for him came on the fifth hole. Matsuyama, uh, you know, me and uh, Joe uh, Lisi were doing it in game live. Matsuyama is struggling a little bit. He's, he bogeyed the first hole. Uh, he saved par on four. He's got a fifth hole. He's 150 yards away or so, and he's lying two on a par four. So he's looking at a bogey, unless he can get up and down from 150, which is very difficult to do. They can do it, but it's not easy to do. Zalatoris has got a four-foot putt on five to bring the lead to one. Because Matsuyama at that point is up three. You got to figure Zalatoris is going to make his four footer. Matsuyama's going to get at least a bogey from 150 yards away. And it's going to be a one shot lead. And now we got a great, uh, you know, final round of the Masters. What happens? Matsuyama does get up and down from 150 yards away. Great job by him. He maintains his par. Zalatoris misses his, his birdie putt. <coughs> Excuse me. So a little four-footer, he missed it. So what looked like a three-shot lead was going to be cut to one remained at three. For the most part, that was it for Zalatoris. Then you had Schofley, who had a chance to really put some pressure on. 15th hole, Matsuyama puts his second shot in the water. Now now Schofley, who's playing with him, sees this, obviously, He's at minus nine, so he's still four away, but he's got a chance here. So what does he would do with his second shot? He puts it in a bunker. Now, he does get up and down in two, uh, up and down uh, for a birdie, actually. So he did cut the lead to two. Give him credit for that, but it could have been even better. Then the very next hole, after, you know, escaping that with, with now just a two-shot lead, Shuffley hits his tee shot into the water. Next shot, long Ball game over. Triple bogeys. First ever triple bogey in a major for Shuffley. And that was it for him. He was done. So, uh, you know, he had a chance there. He's got all the momentum and cut the lead to two. And he puts it in the water. Oh, good gravy. So, and that for the most part, that was it. That was it. That, and then it was just a matter of whether uh, Matsuyuma, uh, Matsuyuma was going to fall apart, which, uh, again, he did not do. So, there's your Masters. How did our plays come out? Uh, some good and one awful at the very end. We'll get to that next. Opposite picks on a Monday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And it's a Masters for Matsuyama. First player from Japan to win this Masters tournament in the 85th plane. A country celebrates a dream realized. And what a moment for that man. It gives me great pleasure to introduce to you the 2021 Masters Champion, Hideki Matsuyama.
You're listening to Opposite Picks with Scott Wetzel on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. Uh, there you go. Uh, that must have been the, uh, the, the PGA call, uh, PGA Radio, because that wasn't Nance, obviously, doing that for CBS. Uh, and then the, the afterward, the ceremony and everything that they had for uh, for Matsuyama, who does win by one shot. So, you know, we'll check out some of our prop plays here, uh, in which we uh, turned, uh, you know, what should have been a really great day into a split, or at least a, a weekend. First off, <clears throat> we, we did not have Matsuyama winning, so uh, we, actually we didn't have uh, – we put the black cloud on Patrick Reed, who did fairly well, but uh, the black cloud wins out all the time, 100% of the time. So uh, there was no shot Reed was winning, and we didn't want him to – you can't root for him. What I tell you, I told you the winning – well, we'll get to that in a sec. Uh, hole in one, there actually was many holes in one. Uh, you know, I knew that when it was plus 138, but I figured, uh, you want to give me a shot at plus 138, so that was a loser. Uh, cut line was at three. Um, the number of players under par, the over-under on FanDuel was 26. You know what? I didn't even really check on that one. I forgot about that one. I don't think there were 26 player players under par. It turned out to be a more difficult tournament than I thought it would be. There were uh, under par and mm, 20. Eh, not that too bad, but, but not 26. So 20, so that went under. Uh, players under par... Uh, the, there was three of them, uh, 26 or more plus 125, 19 to 25 plus 190, and 18 and under plus 110. I said take the 19 to 25. Thank you very much. Cha-ching, cha-ching. That was a winner. I don't know why they gave the uh, plus 190 on that one. <clears throat> you know, no one thinks these golfers are great as, as much as I do, and I still don't think there would be 26. So i put a little star next to that. Uh, and then I said let's have some fun. Remember that on Thursday? I said we were going to take the top 10 guys according to FanDuel on odds on who we're going to win, and then we're going to bet them to not make the cut. All 10. And listen, if you're a $100 player, you, you put uh, 10 bucks, 25 bucks, whatever you think, you know, whatever it is. I'll leave that up to you. I said, I guarantee you we'll make money. And I hear people say, no, 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 these guys aren't going to make the cut. These guys aren't going to miss the cut. How, you know, how is uh, Roy McElroy not going to make the cut? Or how is, you know, Bryson DeChambeau or Spieth or DJ or Cantlay and all the other, you know, how these guys, how aren't they going to make the cut, right? Well, as it turned out, you made money. Dustin Johnson, somehow or another, at plus 530, uh, didn't make the cut. That that was the biggie, biggie, biggie. So we're gonna put plus five thirty on DeChambeau into our win column. Rory McElroy didn't make the cut at plus four to one. Cha ching, cha ching. So we're gonna put the uh, Rory in our uh, category right now. If we stop right now, we've guaranteed we want ourselves some money, which was my whole point about this. Patrick Cantlay. Uh, did not make the cuts as he finishes uh, well at over seven over par. That's plus 480 in our back pocket. Cha-ching, cha-ching. And I think that was it. I just want to double-check on one other guy real quickly because I misplaced him for him. Um, yeah, that's it. Now, we could, I will tell you, uh, we could have had a couple of more, but uh, as it turned out, they weren't in the top 10. And realistically, you probably should play the top 20, but it is what it is. So we take the 530 winner. 
Well, on DJ, we take the uh, 480 on Cantlay winner, and we take the 400 on McElroy winner. We add that up, and that comes to a nice little total of 930, 13, 14, 10. Okay? That means we lost on seven other guys. So just for the sake of argument, we'll do a $100 play here for simplistic purposes. So plus 14, 10, minus 700. Boom. If you did what I told you you should have done, you won 710 bucks. Just going three and seven. How many times can you win that kind of money uh, by going three and seven? You know, not, not even baseball, generally speaking, because those are monster odds, 530, 480, 400. And, I, you know, this happens all the time. You know, even in the Masters, where this year there are only 88 golfers, and the top 50-plus ties make the cut. So you got to figure, you know, there's going to be about 55. You're only going to eliminate about 30 guys, but... And like I said, it could have been a lot more because generally every tournament Brooks Kepka would be in the top 10 for not making the cut, right? He, But he didn't because of his knee injury. I guess the odds were a little bit lower, and lo and behold, he doesn't make the cut. Sergio Garcia could have been in the top 10 as well. He ended up not making a cut. So there were a couple of others there that, you know, if, if Fandle, Daniel Berger, who's, you know, not a well, well, well-known guy, but, you know, he he's one of the more, uh, the better players, I'll say. He didn't make the cut. You know, we, he could have been easily in the top ten. So th- there were two or three that if they fell the right way, not Finau or not the, you know, Sheffley or, or Patrick Reed, you know, we could have really made out. But you know what? I'll take the three and ten, and I'll play the seven ten. So we we won on uh, DJ Cantlay and McElroy, uh, Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Speed, Shambo, Finau, Shawfley, and Patrick Reed all made the cut. But uh, cha-ching, cha-ching. I like doing that in, in all the majors. It, it just uh, the, these guys choke. Uh, the tournaments are tough, especially the tougher ones. So um, I figured it this much. The other one, this one really. Winning score, and I told you this was the best play. we got to be honest. I, I really did love this one. And it looked golden the whole final round. Winning score, 11 under par, 11 under par or better. So meaning 12, 13, 14, obviously. And the whole final round, there's Matsuyama, you know, 11 under par, 12 under par. 13 under par, he's cruising, really not that much pressure. You know, a couple times they got it to two shots, but he was really playing with house money. He was minus 13 on the 15th hole. I mean, we got 15, 16, 17, 18. We got three shots to give in in four holes. I mean, this is going to be easy money. Four shots to give, 11, 12, 30, yeah. 11, we had four shots to give with four holes left. What happens? He chokes a little bit, puts a second shot in the water, gets a double bogey down to 11. Okay. Uh, He ends up uh, par at 16 and 17, so we're sitting pretty. Heading into 18, just get a simple par. It's a simple par four. I know you got to be nervous. First shot, middle of the fairway. It's a beautiful thing. He even said he knew he won at that point. Great, no pressure. Second shot goes into a bunker around the green. Eh, we got to sweat this out. Third shot, it's hit. Uh, great shot or a nice shot anyway. 
four feet from the hole. All we do is we got a four-footer. He finishes up at 11 under par, and we win. Cha-ching, cha-ching, our major play. I mean, this is easy. This is a Deki Matsuyama. He's been putting great. You know, he's got pars left and right. You know, he's got people falling by the wayside, and he's maintaining his calm, cool, and collectiveness. I mean, there's just not a chance in the world he's going to miss this little rinky-dink four-foot putt, right? I mean, you know, why would you? You're a Deki Matsuyama. You shot a 65 the day before. You shot a 69 in round one. You shot a 71 in round two. You're shooting well in round four here. He misses the four-foot putts. Bogeys the hole. Finishes at 10 under par. Wins by one, not two. At 10 under, not 11 under. Ah, oh, fudge. Oh, you just can't beat the boys in Vegas. You just, you just can't beat them. <laughs> Opposite picks on a Monday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Drive down the right field line. That one hit for the corner, and that ball's out of here. And the Red Sox go back-to-back as J.D. stays red hot. And the Red Sox lead it 4 to nothing. his third home run. Boy, that is vintage J.D. Martinez opposite Johnson's here. Clutching hands, reaching out. Ah, yes. Take a look at those standing stanky fans. How about that? You know, we go off on a little COVID, uh, I don't want to say vacation. Uh, we go off on a little COVID, uh, <clears throat> you know, expenditure. And uh, we leave the Red Sox at basically 0-3, going nowhere. We come back, and they are 6-3. and J.D. Martinez, Red Sox Radio Network there with uh, three home runs yesterday. They've won six in a row, obviously, since they started 0-3, and they're 6-3. and And they sit in first place by two games, no less, over the Stankies, Devil Dogs, uh, Blue Jays, and Baltimore Orioles, who all sit oddly enough at 4-5. and five. How about that? The team that got up to the worst start is playing the best baseball. The team that, you know, you could name three guys, even artists, you know, ardent Red Sox fans like me, you know, this team sucks. I, I know that, you know. Uh, but you know what? For nine games, I'll take it first place. Their pitching staff blows. Their bullpen is a, is a mess. Um, you know, outside of their middle three guys in a batting order, all the others stink. They're nothing but, you know, 280 hitters, which generally doesn't get it done. But who knows? Maybe this year, who knows? Maybe uh, that's all it takes. You know, J.D. coming up big. He's now hit at least uh, one extra base hit in eight straight games. That, like, sets a major league record or ties one or first time in, like, 1900. Um, and he sat out a few games with COVID. I don't know how. I don't know where it went. You know, I, I've had COVID for three weeks. This guy has it for three days, and all of a sudden he's back in the lineup. I don't, I don't quite get that, but whatever. It just disappears with some people and just lingers with, the you know, others like me. But he's back after missing a couple of games with, with the COVID, and uh, there he is booming the home runs left and right. So tough spot for the Red Sox today, though. I must say, as I was looking at the lineup to do our picks for later on, they play an afternoon game for some dopey reason in Minnesota. 
Not exactly sure why. Well, it's opening day, you know, first home game for the Twinkies, Scott. No, it's not. They've already played three home games. So you got the Red Sox playing yesterday afternoon. Now, nobody's guessed, but it was a long game. But 14-7 was the final. I mean, I think they ended up after five. So they got to hop on a plane from Boston, fly to Minnesota, which is not, you know, a short little jaunt. And now they're playing an afternoon game today. And to make matters worse, 14-9. Now, they they have had some success lately against Jay Happ or J.A. Happ. He's always flipping his name. I wish he'd just pick one. Um, But he's on the hill for the Twinkies as well. So you got a 2 o'clock Eastern time start, 1 o'clock obviously in Minnesota. So the Red Sox are playing yesterday, late game, hop on a plane, Fly to Minnesota, lose an hour, play one o'clock local time, and then do whatever tomorrow night or tonight. Why are they playing an afternoon? I don't know. Uh, tomorrow's an afternoon game as well. So maybe there's just something about Twinkie afternoon games, but I, I would have thought since it was getaway day for Boston yesterday, that they would have made that a night game. It's not, you know, first home game, I get it, but, you know, that that's kind of weird. So be careful. Marty Perez is on the hill. He got lit up his first outing. Uh, and, again, Hap on the hill for the Twinkies, and then Minnesota was home yesterday. Is that, that's, a, that, that's a tough spot for Boston. Uh, let, let's, you know, we'll keep our fingers crossed, but um, otherwise I'd probably stay away. I think I like Minnesota in that one just because of uh, all that stuff. So, uh, but good job by the Red Sox turning their season around. And the Red Sox are in first place, and the Stankies with their $400 gazillion payroll sitting there tied for last. Could say tied for second, but we want to be optimistic. Tied for last place in the AL East. How about that? Despite their 8-4 win over the Devil Dogs uh, yesterday. Pirates won yesterday 7-1. So here's our latest with, uh, you know, play on, play against that we want to keep a track of uh, with the Dodgers and Pirates, the perceived two best slash worst teams in baseball. If you bet on the Pirates, you've actually uh, you, you won a couple of spots here. Uh, you won yesterday. So you're at, uh, I got two and six. Is that three and six or two and six? Uh, three and six. So you're down to, I, I you know, say down, you're down to minus 150. That's pretty good, all things considered. You know, it, uh, the way they started the season, uh, we all thought, and then some people still think they're going to lose 130 games. I don't think they're going to be that bad. But uh, you bet on the Pirates every game, you're 3-6, and six, minus 150. Not too bad. Today you're getting plus 180 against San Diego. Bet against the Pirates every game, <clears throat> you're obviously 6-3, and three, and uh, you're plus 110. Not too, too bad. Uh, today, you got to lay 220 on San Diego at Pittsburgh. See, this is where the numbers, you know, start to really move in your favor. You know, if you could get, get just a couple of Pittsburgh Pirate wins against these really good teams, you know, plus 180, <clears throat> you know, laying 220 on the road with San Diego. Boy, I, I, without Tatis Jr., I, I wouldn't be doing that. Dodgers, last night, they win. So they should now be, let me just double check, but they should be eight and two. Let's see. But yep, eight and two. So you picked up a winner, three nothing over the uh um nationals last night. So you're eight and two, and on the money line, you're plus four fifteen. And they don't play today. They're off today. 
Uh, you bet against the Dodgers. You're uh, two and eight, obviously, and you're down three sixty-five. So so far, that, that's you know, and I know most people just want to play on them. And so far, if you have, you, you you've done well for yourself. Surprisingly enough, I you know I think that'll eventually switch. But uh, for now, everything that is supposed to be happening is happening. You bet against the Pirates, you've won money. Not a lot, but plus one ten. You bet on the Dodgers, you won four hundred fifteen bucks. But you won eight and two. You know it's a six game swing, and you still only won, you know, four hundred dollars, not the six hundred that you would think uh, you should win. Home teams yesterday went five and seven in baseball. Over under five and seven as well. You had a couple of rainouts, including the Mets debacle. <clears throat> Home teams so far this year. Maybe up by one or two. I don't think so, but uh, might be. Uh, and, and this includes Toronto being the home team, even though they're playing down in Florida. But 68 and 63. Over-unders, 52 overs, 55 unders with 24 pushes. So I think a lot of people thought they were deading the baseball this year and there'd be less runs scored. Maybe they are. Um, but you know the boys in Vegas are you know outsmarting baseball as they always do. Uh, you know there may be less runs scored, but that doesn't mean there's going to be more unders. They've already made the adjustments on some of these totals. I mean you're getting a lot of eights, eight and a halfs. So I thought it would go the other way around. I, I thought the ball would be juiced versus uh, you know deadened, and I thought there'd be more runs scored with just the way things ended last year. And then, you know they want to get fans back in the stands, and we want the long ball, blah 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 blah. But uh, so far, a couple of more unders than overs, but you know, pretty even. I'm a little surprised that the road teams have had that much success. Only five games under 500. So th- this kind of maybe plays into what we've seen in the NBA and the NHL. Well, without real fans in the stands, you know, you're getting a few thousand, but nothing that is really significant. Um, it- it's basically an even playing field, and you're getting generally the best team to win. And as it turned out, I, I told you last week. And the first few weeks, I said, you got to let the, the baseball season breathe, right? You, you just have to because you just got too many bad teams that are more than capable of winning a few games and, and too many good teams that are capable of losing a few games. You got to give the season about a month. And I still like to give it until the end of April. But I will say things have finally reversed in that if you take the playoff teams from last year, Dodgers, Padres, Braves, Miami, Cubs, Milwaukee, St. Louis, Cincinnati, and we had the expanded postseason. Tampa Bay, Toronto, Yanks, Cleveland, Minnesota, White Sox, Houston, Oakland. They are now a combined 76 and 67. So they're finally over 500. It's taken them a while, but they're finally over. If you take the uh, perceived eight worst teams in baseball, Orioles, Tigers, Royals, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Texas, Arizona, Colorado, uh, they're now under 500 after being over for quite a while, 28 and 42. So baseball, you know, again, I'd like to wait another week or two, ideally, but uh, we'll hop right into it since, you know, the world is back, uh, you know, perpendicular. You know, the good teams are the good teams and the bad teams are the bad teams. It's taken about three weeks, uh, you know, really less than that, two weeks, but nine games in. Uh, but at least, you know, we, we're kind of getting a feel for, for some of these teams and, and who's surprising, who's not surprising, and, and everything else. But uh, Dodgers win last night 3 nothing. And if you didn't stay up, Kershaw outduels uh, Scherzer. A little surprise. You got vintage uh, Clayton Kershaw. How about that? You know, I, I think there's a lot of people that think he may have seen his better days, but five-hit baseball, struck out six over six innings. 
Uh, Scherzer went six as well. He gave up uh, one run on three hits, striking out only five. And uh, the Nats couldn't do anything against uh, the, the bullpen of uh, the Dodgers. And uh, Jansen pitches the uh, the ninth inning. Did not get the save as they had a three nothing lead. Uh, struck out two. So th- that Dodger team was playing. You know, it's early, obviously, but. Uh, Anyone thinking that they were going to have an automatic letdown from uh, last year? Boy, it just has not happened yet. Uh, not not with that club. So, uh, Our poll question is out. Greatest living player <clears throat> in his respective sport. I put Jack Nicklaus in golf, Michael Jordan in the NBA, and Wayne Gretzky uh, in the NHL. And then, of course, the proverbial other. And uh, we need to take a break. When we come back, I'll explain why I'm doing that. But... Um, Right now, early, I mean, I just posted literally like five minutes ago. I was a little late with it. Uh, Jordan NBA leading away with 50% of the vote. But uh, go to Opposite Picks, get your vote in, and uh, we'll update that a couple times before we are thrilled. But a little interesting little side note to the golf yesterday. We'll get to that next. Opposite Picks on a Monday morning. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. That's just Stan seeing, seeing our potential. You know, seeing what level of greatness we can reach. And I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he said that to us. Uh, because me and Bial, you know, we want him to continue to coach us, continue to tell us things we can do better. Because, you know, if we want to be up there with the greats, we need to hear that stuff. We got to come out and as good as we play on the offensive end, you know, we got to show that same intensity and effort on the defensive end. You're listening to Opposite Picks with Scott Wetzel on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM Channel 204. All right, that's uh, – I'm not sure who that was. Who, who was that, uh, Chris? Uh, I thought that was going to be Thibodeau. Uh, or, oh, that was Zion. My bad, my bad. My bad. It's Zion Williamson. Um, uh, you got a brain fart here. Uh, yeah, Zion last night, monster, 38 points. And he got his uh, – you know, um, he didn't get a triple-double, but he did no doubt get his uh, threesome. You know, you get a bit of prop on whether – Guy's going to get so many points, so many rebounds, so many assists, and then they combined the three and put a prop up there for that. He no doubt hit that. Now he's put back 37 and 38-point performances. So that's pretty good. And you got the head coach, Dan Van Dumby, who uh, said the other day that he's going to use him as a, like a point forward, out of LeBron James a little bit more now that ball is out. Now ball's been out for a little while, but, um, you know, there's that, uh, you know, Coincide with his 37 Friday night and 38 yesterday? Yeah, maybe. Oh, he had four assists, though. I'll, I'll tell you that. So if he's playing point forward, he's not exactly sharing the ball anyway with only four assists. Um, you know, Bledsoe still had five, and, and uh, the starting center uh, had three, Adams, Stephen Adams. So uh, he's not dishing the ball around. But he got nine assists last night and four – or uh, nine rebounds last night and four assists. So 38, 47, 51. I'm sure he eclipsed his uh, points, rebounds, and assist total. So just something to keep an eye on. If this guy's going to be dishing the ball and handling the ball a little bit more, a little bit more active, uh, not only assist-wise but points-wise as well. Because if you watch Pelican games, you know, he'd be open basically every single play. They don't get it to him. If he's got the basketball to start play, yeah. 
So I don't think it's coincidental that he's getting to bring the ball up the court a little bit more, and he put 37 and 38 on the board back-to-back games. So uh, it's just something uh, to, to keep an eye on. Uh, going forward when it comes to these prop plays that we uh, we both love to do. How about the Celtics yesterday? Beat the Nuggets 105-87. As bad as that sounds, it gets worse if you're a Denver Nuggets fan. And this Celtic team is such an enigma. It, it, it really is. But that said, they outscored the Nuggets from the end of the third quarter to the end of the game 40-8. to yeah. Nuggets scored eight points. This is 2021. They scored eight points in the fourth quarter. Eight. 40 to eight run. The Clippers had one of those against uh, Houston Friday night. Similar one. But, you know, that's that the Rockets. This is the Denver Nuggets. This is a team that people think can win an NBA championship this year. This is a team that went to the Western Conference Finals last year, playing at home against a Celtic team that was taken to the limit Friday night by Minnesota going to overtime. They score eight lousy points. Wow. 40 to eight. How is that possible, right? It's the NBA. Jokic acted like a baby. You know, he showed why this team probably won't win an NBA championship and why they probably won't get by the Lakers. You know, because there, there's the joker. He's crying about the officiating. When, when are these guys going to learn? The officiating sucks in the NBA. It is what it is. You know, if it's the final couple of minutes of a close game and you want to argue, okay, I get it. But these dopey players, you know, arguing calls in the first, second, even the third quarter. What you know? What do you do with? They're not going to call every single foul. You can't. It's like holding in the NFL. You'll you'll have a penalty. Every player you know will be fouled out by the middle of the second quarter if they call every time someone bumps into somebody. I mean, there are a gazillion fouls called. It is what it is. And this guy's crying like he's been in the league for you know uh, for first year. He should know by now. The officials, they, they they swallow the whistle. It's got to be egregious. You know, they want to penalize guys for, for, for flopping, but then they don't call fouls. I know it. That's what the players say. You know, you penalize us for flopping and trying to show you there was a foul made, uh, but then if we don't do that, then you don't call them. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. I get that. But, you know, the Joker's got to know by now. You, you can't. And then he, didn't sit, he ended up, you know, in a huddle, didn't sip, uh, didn't get into the huddle, sat on the bench all by himself, like way to the left that everyone else is huddling. You know, if, I, if I'm Mike Malone, uh, head coach of Denver, that, that see, that's where I draw the line. You know, well, you want to be a baby, you want to get technical foul, you want to act like a jerk at the court, that's your doing. But, you know, uh, you know, when it comes to timeout, that's my doing. you got to be with the team uh, for these timeouts. So it's stuff like this that make you, you know, you understand why the, the Nuggets probably won't, you know, get to the NBA Finals. But 40-8, to eight, wow. Kyrie Irving's at it again. I'm telling you, you know, and I'm not saying this jokingly, but this guy needs some help. Uh, you know, God forbid something crazy should happen. We're all going to look back and say, gee, I never saw that sign. Really? This guy needs some help. He's not playing again for Brooklyn tonight when they play Minnesota. This after getting kicked out of the game the other night because he wants to get into a verbal little spat with uh, Dennis Schroeder of the uh, Lakers. Like he should give a rat's behind about what Der- uh, you know Dennis Schroeder says and says and does right. You know he's already missed fifteen of the Nets' fifty-three games. 
Nets are without LaMarcus Aldridge tonight. They're without James Harden. Kevin Durant's on a minutes restriction because of his injury. He's getting paid $30-plus million a year. He's taken more and more and more time off for personal reasons, which we were led to believe dealt with his family. But you know what? I, I don't think it does. I mean, I don't know. Who, who knows? Uh, but, you know, it seems to me that he's taken another game off for personal reasons. And I'll give the Nets credit. At least they don't say and pretend it's an injury. They could just say, well, it's a knee injury, you know, so he's, he or he's sore, you know, or restrictions minutes or you know, don't want to play back-to-back or, you know, even though they didn't play yesterday. Uh, you know, they could come up with some excuse, but I, which to me shows me that they have to be getting a little frustrated as well. You know, they're telling the world he's taking off because he doesn't want to be here, just doesn't want to be here. And if that's the case, again, you miss as many games uh, as he's missed for personal reasons you know, where, where's Nets management? Where, where's Adam Silver? Where's the NBA saying, what's going on? You know, this is not right. Um, everyone's playing. Everyone's taking a couple days off. Okay. But 16 out of 54 games he's missing because of personal reasons for the most part. You know, you just hope the guy doesn't flip. And the way he flipped the bird the other day against the, the Lakers, you just wonder where his brain's at. I mean, honestly, you know, someone probably should step in and say, you know, what, what Kyrie, you know. You want to take the year off? Is that is that where, where this is going? Are you, you still so, so consumed with social issues? Is that you know that was the out that he was supposedly having? That you know he couldn't handle certain things that are going on. Is he more you know? I I don't know, but you know everyone just cares about winning a championship with that with that team. I mean you know even Dr. J came out yesterday and said all the Nets are doing is just buying a championship like the like Stankies used to do. Great scene, a great player, you know, rip on a stankies. Um, whatever you can do that into the equation, you throw it in there. And it's true, you know, and the Nets have told the world they don't give a rat's behind about the regular season at all. I mean, here they are, you know, they're fighting um, Philadelphia and Milwaukee now for the number one spot in the Eastern Conference. We've been down this road before. They clearly don't care if they get it or not. Um, because if they did, then uh, and right now they're tied with Philadelphia for the top spot with the Bucks three back. If they did... You know that they would have. You know, Kyrie would be playing with all those other guys out. But sometimes I'm telling you, somebody should look. Somebody, the NBA should step in. And you know, they have this umbrella personal reasons. So God forbid someone should do a little research and figure out what's going on with him. You know, you tell me one of those dopey net reporters, beat reporters that cover this team doesn't have a, a somewhat of a relationship with him and can't pull him aside and say, hey, you know, Kyrie, what, what's, you know, we've had star player. You know, Kevin Love's come out and said he's had some social issues. We've had some, you know, different issues about pressure and everything. We've had, you know, prominent players say that they can't handle it. Is that it? Is, is there too much pressure to win in Brooklyn? You know, with all these big-name players? You know, what's going on? Tell your story, you know. Help others maybe that are dealing with the same thing you are. You tell me there's not one guy that covers the, the Nets uh, you know, could do a story like that. Very weird. I, I'm telling you, strange what's going on with him. So I'm, I'm something's happening. Something is happening. Uh, late last night, uh, you got the uh, Heat that beat the uh, Portland uh, Trailblazers. Uh, I'll tell you what's happening. It's what's not happening for Damian Lillard. Another bad game. Boy, he's really. It's amazing these guys don't miss a beat when it comes to these props. He averages 29 points a game. I mentioned this with Joe yesterday during the show. They've been putting his prop totals at 26 and a half. 
And, and if you file that stuff, it's pretty dead on to whatever your scoring average is or assist average or rebound average. That's what they put the props. They, they, they don't spend too much time on that stuff, even though it's a pretty popular play. But, you know, it, it's nuts and bolts. You average 29 or it will make it 28 and a half or we'll make it 29 and a half. Uh, you know, if, if it's going to be a high-scoring game, they may get, add a point onto that. But for the most part, it's within a point, point and a half of your, your season total. So he's averaging 29-plus, and they've been making a 26-and-a-half. You know, so they've been about two-and-a-half to three points shy of his scoring total. That That's big. And lo and behold, I don't know what's gotten into him, but he has not played well. Uh, he did have 27 against Detroit. Saturday night, but he only had 12 last night, only 23 against Utah, where they really needed him to step up on 8 of 21 shooting, 11 the day before that, 16 the day before that. So, you know, for a guy that regularly puts 30 on the board, you know, he hasn't had 30 points since uh, beginning of April against Milwaukee, 16, 11, 23, 27, and 12. And more importantly, uh, those are three losses, uh, you know, two and three, with three of those games at home, you know, and one of the wins against OKC and another against Detroit, which shouldn't even count. You know, he's lost to the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Miami Heat 107-98 last night at home, uh, two of those uh, three games. So uh, one of the three, Miami last night, Utah and LA were on the road. So I, I don't know, you know, you look back at in, uh, in March, 33 31, 36, 50, 38, 25, 30, 32, 44. Boy, he scored 30 or more in March. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 times. He's done it only once so far here in April in uh, six games. And they, and they didn't, you know, he's not even coming close, except for that 27 the other night. So something, you know, it's amazing. How, how does FanDuel know? I don't know. I don't know. You know, they, they just can tell when he's going to be in a slump. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. But you look at all the other props, it's, like I said, it's, it's basically your scoring average. And with him, these last few games, it's been 26 and a half, and he's only gotten over the one time. So good win by the Knicks uh, yesterday. Beat the Raptors 102-96. Awful loss for Dallas yesterday. Oh, you talk about an awful weekend. The Mavericks lost to the Houston Rockets and San Antonio Spurs in one week. You shouldn't do that in a year, let alone a week. Well, that is just awful. For a team that, you know, thinks itself as a championship-caliber team, you lose to two Texas State rivals, I suppose. Is that what you know? Is that going to be your excuse? That's awful. I mean, you know. San Antonio has been playing god-awful basketball, and we all know about the Rockets. But that's just two ugly losses for the Dallas Mavericks. All right, opposite picks on this uh, Monday morning. We'll close out our number one next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. thought it was baseball. Yeah. A little rainy delay. Yeah, those things happen, you know, and that's why you, you, you can't allow yourself to get distracted. You know, I think we had a 10-point lead at that point, so it sort of stalled the game. But you know, there's nothing you can do about that. You, know, you just deal with it. 
deal with it as best you can. And, uh, you know, and whatever you have to do to pull it out, that's what you got to do. Yeah, it's uh, uh, Thibodeau for the uh, Tom Thibodeau, head coach of the New York Knicks, had a rain delay yesterday. Uh, yes, you heard that right. Uh, no, not the – well, the New York Mets did as well. Um, not the New York Yankees, but the, the New York Knicks, a little leak at Madison Square Garden. So they had a little pause in the action there. But good win by the Knicks who won their second straight. They, they get back to 500. You know, they, they are a 500 team, as we all know. They, the whole Eastern Conference outside of uh, the big three – if you want to call them that, 76ers, Nets, Buck. You know, when the, when the Atlanta Hawks uh, are, you know, have the, th- the fourth best record in the Eastern Conference, but you know the Eastern Conference sucks, right? You know, Hawks are sitting there at four games over, Heat three games over 500, Hornets two games over, Celtics now two games over, and now the Knicks uh, are sitting there at 27 and 27. Uh, it, it's, it's, as we've said, it's, it's going to be a log jam all the way. It's amazing how long the NBA season is. You know, we still got 20 games left of the NBA season. And my goodness, you know, you're trying to uh, jockey around for playoff spots, and then you realize they got a whole nother month of basketball. Ugh, do, do we really need to see another month of the Chicago Bulls or Toronto Raptors? Or, you know, the Knicks are a 500 team. They're not going off on any 15-5 run to close out the regular season. They're a, they're a 500 team. Celtics are basically a 500 team. And Hawks and Heat and Horn, they're all 500 teams. A couple games over, maybe, uh, when everything is said and done, but. Um, well, the NBA season is a long, long season. Even cut down to 72. It's Imagine having an 82-game season. Well, the NBA seems like it's been around for like five months. It hasn't it? Man, it's been a long, long season. So, but we have a long ways to go. Poll question. Back to the golf masters next hour. Big hockey trade for the Boston Bruins. Uh, and some more baseball notes all coming up. Hour number two, opposite picks on this Monday morning with your truly Scott Wetzel, Sports Good Radio. 